Hello and welcome to the next edition of this Harrington Star podcast. Whether it's Fintech Focus TV you're listening to or our diversity and inclusion specials, we hope you're enjoying the shows and please do subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to our groundbreaking short series, The Maternity and Paternity Stories of Fintech. We aim to tell the real journeys the men and women of fintech have embarked on when starting or further growing their families. Today in the world of fintech, more and more companies are realising how important a people-first attitude is. And this is a previously unexplored avenue of that. We're here to learn how we can better support our people and share great ideas. And the person here today is Kate Bond, and she is definitely an ideas woman. (laughs) We've had her on the Women of Fintech show before, um, and she describes herself as an innovation evangelist and connector. She's here today to talk about exactly what makes her stand out in the world of fintech and financial services technology. On top of this, last week she appeared on the Innovate Finance Women of Fintech Powerless 2019. Woo, that's a big intro. Welcome, Yeah, Kate. thank you. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Um, and firstly, I just want to say I really appreciate you being here because I'm very aware of what a personal journey anyone's maternity or paternity stories are. And the fact that you're here today to share with our audience your journey, your experience and your advice, it's, it's really stand out that you're thank happy you. to do that. So yeah. thank you. But I think what would be really good for people that haven't tuned in and listened to your Women of Fintech podcast probably to hear a little bit more about your role right now. Sure, no problem. So at the moment, I look after the external facing into the bank, um, currently at Lloyds Banking Group, and very much focused on fintech accelerators and incubators. How do we engage as a corporate with them? How do we look at growing our partnering capability and appetite for bringing those new capabilities into the bank? Very much with a client centric focus, whether that's the internal users or the sort of man on the street themselves, across the whole group. So whether it's uh, Lex leasing and fleet management or car insurance to personal insurance, wealth management, retail bank, commercial bank, corporate bank, the whole gamut. I think there's sort of 30 plus, 40 plus brands that come together under the group. So really you get to dip in and out of lots of different things and the different levels of maturity across such a big organization around where they are ready to engage with that fintech um, and then you build in all the enterprise bits underneath from the data to the onboarding to the procurement the the whole ecosystem mm. um, it's a really fascinating place to see and and also the ability to engage with both very small startups when they are going through accelerator programs that we're engaged with and we support or we partner with like for example, the one that's ongoing at the moment is the Accenture Fintech Innovation Lab. Wow. Some amazing people in the cohort this year. It's a three-month program, so finishing at the end of this month, March. Um, all the way through to sort of more mature companies who are probably sort of multi-million pound firms in other industries, but looking to get into financial mm-hmm. services and seeing how the solutions and problem solving they've applied, say in telcos or whatever it might be how that can be brought over into financial services Mm. to the benefit of everyone in that space as well. So you've got such a wide remit, really. Like This is is why I'm so excited for for you to talk today and for us to hear your ideas, because I see you as the ideas guru, right? (laughs) And you you have so much creativity, and I know you look at things from just a different point of view to 
what other people are used to in a boardroom and and like you're you're so important your input to these companies right at their inception but also your input with all these these much more corporate type organizations not the scale-ups but like the enterprise organizations that probably do need that that uh, translation from telco which mm. i know that you know, you're very much a part of. Yeah, the, sitting with sort of one foot in technology and one foot in the business, on the, sort of a, the best job in the world, the worst job in the world, on one hand, you're not actually either of them, mm. but at the same time, you're helping them communicate and bring those robust outcomes to the fore. So mm. it, it's sort of helping the guys on the IT side, on the, on the capability side, understand what it is that the business is trying to solve. And also, and also then helping the business to really get to grips with the fact that technology can help them solve mm. those problems. But, but always starting with what is the problem to be solved? What is the job to be done? Rather than here's an interesting piece of technology. How do we slap that somewhere interesting? Mm. Um, because it, it could be that your initial thought of one sort of technology, that that's the absolute answer. It's the solution. But actually, if you think about it a bit more expansively, a bit more inclusively, something else will actually be the more appropriate and the more longevity in it in its answer of whatever the challenge is that you're trying to solve. Mm. And I think what I love so much about your experience is that you have you have so much visualization across the marketplace. Like that's sort of like you are the translator <laughs> from IT to business. And yeah, actually a lot of people will look at creativity, ideas, innovation as that theory. But you even just listening to that 30 seconds of what you said there, you're talking about robust outcomes. Mm. And I think that's a lot that, that can be missed. Um, and this is why I really wanted you to be here today, because you have so much exposure to lots of different types of fintech organizations, tech organizations. Um, and I really wanted you to be able to share that, because for me, this is an incredibly important series where we're sharing stories where maternity and paternity has or hasn't been at the importance that it should be. Mm -hmm. um, and I really wanted to, just to open up this part of the chat, why why um, are you happy to be here today? Why, why have you decided that this is an important series for you to take take time out of your very busy day to come and share your, your thoughts with us? Well, I think, um, as we were discussing earlier, it, it's not really mentioned. Uh, I've been in lots of sessions where colleagues within around the room are pregnant and because they don't mention it because they don't feel when it's appropriate to mention it no one else mentions it various sort of comedy of you know do you think she just ate all the pies or is she pregnant mm. um <laughs> and because it's then never mentioned there comes a point when you actually can't mention it somehow um so to almost normalize the discussion because it is part of life right it, it some people choose not to have children some people choose to have children but fundamentally, the process of procreation is a very human thing. And I, and I know we've touched before about humanity and bringing humanity back into the corporate space. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, it's part of bringing your whole self to work as well. If you're negating everything from sort of the boobs downwards or even the neck downwards, depending yeah. on how much your boobs change during pregnancy, <laughs> yeah. um, then you're not really bringing your whole self to work. And I think all the things that happen to you through the process of pregnancy, even through a normal pregnancy, or even before the pregnancy, depending on what your journey was to get there, mm. um, whether it's um, you know medically supported, whether it's through a, a surrogate, or whether it's through adoption, whatever it might be, male or female, you know there are things that are going to bump into you through your corporate life as an impact of that process, and mm. and so 
it would behove us all well to just be a little bit sensitive, as you as you rightly say, know your audience, <laughs> um, and and be sensitive to those pieces. The same way as discussions are happening around sort of menopause and perimenopause and all, all the things that happen to women as they're trying to juggle their day-to-day -day life and this additional layer of complexity. Mm. I think I think you've rounded that up absolutely perfectly because a large purpose for me in this series is that if uh, within FinTech in particular now, we are wanting to make the workforce um, more gender equal, um, if we want to make sure that people are happier day in, day out, working with lots of different diverse um, diverse people within the room, I think it's really important that that diversity is in action. So mm -hmm. I, I do a lot of talks around diversity in action. It like stop talking about quotas of male yeah. to female Just or age or this, that and the other. Like let's do it, but let's mm -hmm. do it properly. Mm -hmm. And so this is why I wanted you on to talk about your experience and what you've seen. So perhaps we start with your experience first. Sure. Uh, and then I'll, I'll go into your bits and bobs of advice. <laughs> um, so I was pregnant a very long time ago. Um, so my daughter is nearly 13. So what, 14 years ago I was pregnant. Um, Interestingly, when I became pregnant, a lot of other senior ladies within the corporation that I was working at, which was a, a large bank at the time, sort of like, oh, we never saw you as maternal, never thought you'd have children, mm. um, which I thought was a curious thing to say because I'd never said I wasn't and I never said that I would. I think it's just, the, and it, it may still be the concept today, that somehow if you want to sort of succeed and have corporate success or go up through slippery grease pole, um, you must therefore want to do it at the sort of, sort of loss of everything else about your femininity for want of a sort yeah. of all-encompassing bucket. And um, that was absolutely not the case. I, I kind of, it just not been on the radar. I'd not really thought about it. I hadn't met the right person. And then I did meet the right person. And I was conscious I was, you know, I was already 30 by the time we met. Uh, by the, and then he was just like, oh, I really think we should get married before we have babies, which for me wasn't a big deal because of my background. And, you know, marriage doesn't predicate what people think or how they behave at all, and nor should it. It is fundamentally, uh, you know, a legal document and it protects us should one of us die. But, um, <laughs> oh, you true. <laughs> I know. Um, but it was very important to him. So uh, we got married and we had been sort of looking at children anyway, trying for children. Um, and it went on and on and on and on and on. And nothing was really changing. So we did start to go down the avenue of, you know, why isn't why isn't this working? Everybody else seems to sort of get pregnant by holding hands. It would it would appear, and and also it, through the process of trying for a baby. And I know guys feel this too, but particularly for ladies, I think um, everyone around you is get, getting pregnant and you're not. And you want to be really supportive of everyone on each announcement. And you're then torn between being very happy for that person, but devastated once again for yourself. And the process of trying for a child becomes incredibly mechanical as well, depending on how long you, you keep trying for. Um, and and I've, I've had chaps cry on my shoulders with the, with the issues that they've had trying to have children with their wife as much as, you know, I've been distressed or friends that I know have been distressed. And I was very fortunate in one way that I never had a miscarriage. 
um, I just never got pregnant. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so for me, I, again, very fortunate. I worked for a company that had a medical policy that supported um, assisted pregnancy. Wow. Um, and I was able to tap into that. And it's all these things that you never think about when you're when you're signing a contract with a role. No. Lots of people think about, you know, holiday or pension yep. or whatever it might be. But maternity pay, maybe. But, you know, what their medical policy means in terms of being able to have a child or how that's supported, definitely not on the radar till you're in the middle of it. Um, I was and I had a, a line manager who had come from farming stock he used to joke but he was incredibly squeamish so he, on one hand he was incredibly pragmatic but on the other hand don't tell me anything <laughs> um so you know to get to be able to be supported through that process and to be financed through that process by somebody else was was an extraordinary opportunity and um we were again very lucky through that process um we we met some amazing doctors at the portland hospital and um, of the of the gamut, it turns out, of processes that are available to you all the way from sort of taxiing sperm into the right place at the right time, quite frankly, and only the good ones because you've washed all the bad ones out of, <laughs> out of the process all the way through to the petri dish and, and beyond. Um, we were only at the very beginning of all of those processes and uh, the amazing doctor that we had, I was pregnant on the first sort of process Amazing. So again, incredibly fortunate and a lovely male friend of mine who was experiencing multiple miscarriages with his wife was just, he was really happy for me. I was slightly nervous um, because I knew of his situation. He was really happy for us and he was like, you are just the poster children for, you know, when it goes right. Um, and that's, that's a really encouraging thing to see mm. as well. Um, and, and then through the process of the pregnancy, um, it transpired that not only was I particularly bad at getting pregnant, I was also particularly bad at staying pregnant. Um, so all sorts of things started going wrong from uh, the placenta matured too early. I got preeclampsia. I got uh, my my liver started packing up. Apparently itchy, itchy palms. It's not just a case that you're becoming a werewolf. It is that there's an issue with your liver or something. Okay. Um, yeah, just it was all me and my body not coping very well with it. And you sort of trying to do your job and working out what your maternity leave is going to look like. And by the way, there are no maternity classes. So all that sort of hook into the, I don't even know what it's called anymore, when you have all the other ladies who are doing antenatal classes, right? So I haven't gone to one of them, no. No, well, I didn't go to any of yeah. them because it then transpired that the, the nearest antenatal class that was near me was kind of around the time that she was more or less due and everyone was sort of saying I had yeah, my daughter um, and everyone was saying so she was due mid-June um, was saying oh well you really need to check it out a bit before that and it wasn't so much from them meeting other people going through the process but it was kind of like you need to be aware of all the different options so they say to me you, your birthing plan is not because you're planning the birth it's so that you're checking out all the options so when it goes tits up <laughs> in the process and someone said talks about cannulas or whatever you know, you know what, what it is, is. <laughs> and and while you're maybe not capable of making an informed decision your partner hopefully is mm. because they'll have been participating in that and and yeah. they understand what your wishes may have been while you're doing whatever you need to do to get through whatever it is in that moment um so we went on a we went on a weekend away um 
perversely, as it turns out, two weeks before my daughter was then delivered, um, up in Birmingham, of all places. Um, And uh, while, you know, and that was amazing, and they do the whole Marmite in the nappy to show you what the first poo looks like and all sorts of extraordinary things. Um, Yeah, it's not, it's not. (laughs) There are certain things that they tell you after the event, and that's that's how it should be. Um, But then... Uh, as we did the rundown and, and more things were beginning to go wrong, I was going into hospital twice a week. My boss was incredibly supportive in terms of we will taxi you in, taxi you out. He didn't expect me to have to navigate public transport, even though the hospital was only kind of like a less than 10 minute cab ride away. I could have mm. got there on a bus. Um, and very much like you go, you need to do what you need to do. And sometimes the midwives would let me leave straight away uh you know and that was you you're scudding in casters around the corner to have your blood pressure taken and and it's fine and other times you've been sitting in the waiting room very calmly flicking through whatever trashy magazine is to your left and uh then your blood pressure is sky high and they hold you for a bit um and then we went on the the sort of the baby moon thing weekend up in birmingham for an antenatal understanding and sort of work out a bit of what was going on because I had never really been around children um, and I think in my generation I was kind of the first one I had friends who'd been pregnant but there are certain things you just don't share and that's yeah, of course, right yeah. and proper um, it is right and proper it is absolutely <laughs> right and proper and um, then uh, we did that and then my husband was meant to be running in the London Marathon uh, which is April uh, timing and literally he picked up his pack on the Thursday and then shouted for me late Thursday evening going Kate what's this and he's literally got a chicken pox bubble in the middle of his chest I was like how do you get to your mid-30s and you've not had chicken pox mm. um, so it took him to A&E because he's got <laughs> asthma and chicken pox in adults with asthma is not great okay. they're all sort of going around me because I'm sitting there with this big bump that I've had people for months saying to me you must be about due mm. um, and I've got ankles the bigger than my thighs because I've got all this sort of water congregating at the bottom of my legs and not going anywhere. I did not bloom in any way, shape or form. And uh, yeah, so then he had chicken pox. I'm sort of wandering around saying, my husband's got chicken pox. They're all panicking about me. I've said, no, I've had chicken pox. It's all good. Please focus on my husband. Um, And then literally uh, the following... So I think my husband had had chicken pox for about two weeks. And one of my trips into the hospital, so my daughter still wasn't due for another seven weeks. I wasn't off, I'd taken a month planned to be off work um, before she was due. So it'd be nice and relaxed. Um, I've got various people wandering around going, I love that you're having to do something that you can't put in a spreadsheet. You can't (laughs) stick in an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, Again, this is 14 years ago. So technology isn't quite what it was Mm. or is today. Um, obviously, meantime, I have put a whole load of stuff in a spreadsheet about what I should buy and muslins and yeah, whatever yeah. it might be, um, where it comes from, links for it, how much it costs, what I've already got. My lovely, um, the PA for my boss had been really brilliant, literally the Friday before going, have you got your stuff ready? Because I was going into the hospital more and more regularly with them saying, you know, this isn't going to go past 38 weeks, this isn't going to go past 35 weeks. I'm, and that's when I'm sort of at 32 weeks. She she goes off to the boots and she comes back, bless her, um, Mandy Geary, hero of the hour, <laughs> with a couple of bags of various basic bits and bobs for my hospital bag that oh. I haven't even begun to pack, um, which I am forever grateful for now. 
because that uh, that Monday I go into the hospital, so my husband still got sort of scabby bits all over himself from the, the chicken, chicken pox. Yeah. Um, uh, they say that they're not going to let me go, um, and I have to stay in. And then they and then they did all sorts of things. They gave me a jab for her lungs. They're like, you know, she's got to come out now. You know, you're very sick, and the only way that we can solve you is to get her out and then solve you. We can't solve you while she's in. Um, so they tried to induce her on the Monday afternoon. I'm still wandering around going, my husband had chickenpox. Is everyone okay? My husband's got chickenpox. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm still going to have that water birth that I've been planning with yeah. the nice music and that whole thing. And um, anyway, she doesn't, she doesn't arrive. She's quite happy where she is. Thank you very much uh, on the Monday. Um, on the Tuesday morning, they're kind of like, okay, we'll, we'll try again. I'm still going, my husband's got chickenpox, at which point someone said, has he been signed off? Which is, again, the first time anyone said that. And I said, what do you mean signed off? I've been saying that he's got chickenpox since he got chickenpox. Um, and it was just a case of, can we tell everyone in the room during the delivery that, you know, if they haven't had chickenpox, stay out and, you know, are they comfortable? Because he's not allergic anymore, you know, he's past that phase. Um, anyway, he's then scudding around downstairs in the hospital trying to get signed off oh, uh, with wow. various people sort of saying, oh, are you the lady, are you the gentleman with the lady upstairs who's, who's kind Giving of going birth, into, yeah, yeah, going into labour? Um, yes, 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 that's me. I'm, you know, what do I need to do? Um, and he's on the phone to me going, I think we need to think of plan B. I'm obviously having a sense of humour failure of, you know, this is so far from flat plan B. I was meant to be having this lovely water birth with my best friend because my husband's quite squeamish. Um, and that's not the direction of travel that we seem to be in. And then, you know, her heartbeat started disappearing. The room oh, no. fills up with loads of people. They're going, the person isn't out in front of you, a theatre. In the next eight minutes, we're opening up another theatre. You know, it's all kicking off. My mother and my sister were not coping well with uh, kind of all the messaging that was coming out. Um, and in the end, my husband did, he did finally get signed off. There had happened to be some head of virology downstairs that right. was doing a chickenpox study. Right. I mean, bonkers. Yeah, great. He arrived in these in these sort of scrub outfits. And I'm thinking, but you're really, really squeamish. You're not supposed to be here because you put me in scenarios of high stress and I will come become just wildly pragmatic um and it's all kind of like lean into this spinal block you know slash and grab and literally they made the incision to getting her out i think it was two minutes when they put the time up on the board and um when we went on our baby moon in birmingham one of the things they had said to us is if you end up with a c-section what you want to do is organize for your favorite music to be playing and position the trolley where they take the baby to after it's delivered Position that trolley so mum can see. And you're lying there with this little tiny screen that you imagine would be really big, but actually it's just above your nose um, because obviously you can't see anything. And, and all you can feel is sort of the skin under your boobs okay. being pulled and um, because you're completely spinally blocked from below. And the whole time I was going, but I've got a meeting on Monday. I was like, but I've got a meeting with my boss at two o'clock to talk about the handovers. And they're like, no. No, no. Um, it's like, oh, okay. And um, yeah, it was a very, very random Tuesday that uh, she was delivered. She, the table was in no way anywhere near that I could see what was going on. Um, and there were some issues with her because she was so small, like seven weeks early. Um, she was very, very small, um, sort of less than a bag of sugar, kind of small. 
and um, my husband obviously was uh, quite overwhelmed by A, the process, B, the gore, um, when they rock yeah, you on and off bed, all sorts of things that he just hadn't, well, neither of us had really been prepared for. And literally the, the introduction I got to my daughter was them sort of whooshing past me, bobbing her head in a direction, going, it's a girl, and whooshing out of the room. And um, my husband, you know, they're doing whatever they need to do to finish you up and sort of stitch you all back together and things. Um, and he sort of, as they were moving me out and to the recovery room, because you're conscious through all of this. So it's quite weird. He sort of said to me, do you mind if I go to the, they've taken her off to intensive care. Do you mind if I go, I'll take your mother and your sister and we'll go, and, yeah, yeah, go, go, go. I'm lying in this recovery room with all these other sleeping people. Just going, well, that was odd for Tuesday. Not kind of what I was expecting. I've still got that meeting with my boss on Monday. Yeah, well, then, well, that was the previous Monday when I'd been like, but I can't stay. And they were like, we're admitting you and you know, yeah. you're not going back to work and all sorts of things. And bless my team, they were brilliant. They just picked everything up. And because I had put everything in a spreadsheet, my sister was able to go, okay, what she got, what she not got, where's the bag? Yeah, yeah. All the fit, lovely things that Mandy had had organized for me that yeah. I absolutely needed um, and sort of straight into it. No, I love this story because you often will hashtag on your post, mm. takes a village. Oh, it so takes Haven't a village. Have you just spoken us through the village? So yeah. You, and, and a village in, in, in every sense of the word. So yeah. I'm not just talking about that amazing story that you've just shared about the birth, but that like, as you went through that, you're talking about work, you're talking about Mandy, the PA, mm. uh, you're talking about your boss taxing you from here, there, everywhere. Yeah. Like and my team themselves the, just the supporting. Team, yeah. Like I just need to be somewhere else. And they you were feel extraordinary. Comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah, they were amazing from from start to finish. Really, really good about it. Because I think it's so important that you've shared that the way that you have. Because you know, I have a lot of people that talk to me about their maternity or paternity experiences, mm. and it's almost like, well, I'm at work now, so I'm not allowed to. Not like like the woman in the mm. boardroom that you said who's yeah. four months pregnant and can't say. Oh, she was she was seven months you pregnant. Know, seven and still months not pregnant saying. And still not <laughs> saying. But you know, like it, it's almost like not allowed to talk about it at work. When you get home, not allowed to talk about work at home. Yeah. But the way that you've just explained that, because I know I'll be the same. I'm thirty two weeks now, so I know oh, I'll yeah. be going right. My right, daughter arrives next week. But <laughs> <laughs> like, when's my when's my meeting? I haven't done yeah. handover yet or whatever. Yeah. But I, I think you've really encapsulated how important that village ethos is. Mm. Um, and again, like looking at fintech, if people are going to be, be pitching and wanting and, and making their teams more inclusive and, and encourage more diverse teams, they've got to realise this is an experience that people are going to be going through yeah. and everyone needs to be a part of it to make it something that's going to work and be sustainable for the long mm. run. And when it and when it started, I was finishing off my master's as well. So I was morning oh, sickness, okay. vomiting through my dissertation. Well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we were talking, there's no exponential levels of stress. You know, I got, I got married while I was doing my master's. I think we moved house, um, all sorts of things go mm. on um just chuck it all in there at once and just sort of be completely freaked yeah. out for a short period of time and then and get through it yeah, yeah. absolutely well that's amazing you said that because that will inspire a lot of people that are <laughs> under stress at the moment definitely me right now with, with my levels of stress so just thinking about that what would you what would you kind of say is your advice to the fintech community on on how we can better support families and, and why that's really important to company culture okay um so i think a 
acknowledging that you know life happens i think that the, the industry as a whole has moved forward significantly in the last sort of 14 years anyway there's still so much more I mean, often I, lo I love that this podcast specifically is about maternity and paternity paternity is often seen still in quite a traditional space and yet men want to be involved with their children just as much as women do mm. um if you've got gay couples who you know two gentlemen who are having a baby together you know if they both only get two weeks off how is that meant to build a family unit mm. um and yet you know we have we have shared parental leave and sometimes people talk about parents but they don't touch on guardians they don't touch on you know all the different aspects of of how yeah. we have caring responsibilities for little people in our lives or, mm. or big people or anything else but um specifically in this case little people um we need to be in a space where having a discussion around time away from the office to begin to create that emerging family whether you're male female pink purple or yellow mm. polka dots um it, it should just be a conversation that is had collectively and um, without any real sort of differentiation. You are, no matter what, trying to build that blended family, that you know, biological family, whatever it might be. Um, and I think uh, people like Vicky Linton at Salesforce have done amazing things about making paternity leave exactly the same as maternity leave that allows sort of that LBGTQ+. Yeah discussion to be part of it being more inclusive um not just sort of saying oh we pay for two weeks oh jolly good mm. um and and also um the ability to i mean when my daughter was very little um the ability to have flexibility what around the childcare. this country has an a bit has a sort of request where it asks parents to kind of work like they don't have children but raise children like they don't work mm. i mean it's it's bonkers that we have schools that open after we're expected to be at work we don't have access to childcare. what access we do have is incredibly expensive and the ability for parents who want their children to participate in education but have child need child care sort of particularly single parents, whether be they male or female, yeah. they they need only the childcare at the beginning and the end of the day. Well nobody wants to pick that up because you know they get paid for the big chunk in the middle when they're teeny tiny. Um, and then but then the parents having to work extra long hours to pay for the childcare that allows them to feel that they haven't just been subsumed into a single role. I think we all play so many roles on the way to being a parent when we experience that. And yet when we become a parent that's rightly an all-consuming role but at the same time it's it's all consuming forever almost yeah. um and yet the construct of our society is not set up for us to be consumed if we're also going to be participating in our society in our culture and mm. and sort of either giving back or earning money or or just even if you were trying to volunteer you know for no financial reward how do you do that and make sure that yeah. your little people are appropriately cared and and loved and and nourished mm. i think it's so important everything you said that i wrote down i'm going to quote it on quote you on it um we're expected to work like we don't have children but raise children like we don't work yeah i think this is why this series is so important because if all of us just understand that that as a phrase um and we we try and buck that trend um, and we are, and we do as you as you advise, make make everything more acceptable, mm. um, and bring that humanity to fintech and 
normalize the discussion that people are going to have babies and get pregnant it's okay if they do and it's okay if they don't yeah. as well but bring that that whole and that all of you to work mm. is this is the reality of it and this is why i wanted to do a series like this yeah so if there's one bit of advice that you would you'd want to give to um companies right now um fintech companies in particular um on what they should what they can do to support working people through this really important transition whether it's mm. growing that family or starting that family what would that one bit of advice be i think just to be just to be aware that when you engage with a man or a woman where there are impending or current caring responsibilities treat them the same like why is it okay for me to step out of a boardroom and give my you know delegate my vote if there's a, a you know there's a vote that's coming up and still hasn't happened but i have to leave because the school is closing and i'm the closest and that's the deal that we have on whatever the day it is um it's okay for me to sort of bolt out it's not really i feel awkward and terrible and i'm mm, you know i hate sure. it but you know priorities and i've delegated my vote and i've you know acted responsibly from a corporate perspective and i've acted responsibly as a parent why is it not okay for my husband or my partner to do that um, equally, you know, he, he I, I have a husband and he would be like, oh, I can't leave, because, especially if I'm saying I'm leaving to pick up my child, you know, and again, 14, 15 years ago, it would have been okay if, you know, his car had blown up or he had a football <laughs> fixture or whatever it might be, you know, uh, corporate tickets to go and do client entertainment, but somehow caring for the child is is not seen as a, a, a worthy response as to why you would duck out Again, I'm using the language myself, duck out of a board meeting. Um, mm. You've got different priorities that you need to balance. And we, and we talk about work-life blend rather than work-life balance. And I think today we have technology. You can still dial in. You're on your, your BlackBerry or your, your general sort of analog or Apple. Not analog, is it? What is it? Um, when it's not an Apple device. Okay. Can you tell I'm Don't an Apple ask person? Me a baby brain. Yeah, oh, it um, stays with you forever. Android. Android, there we go, you <laughs> knew. Um, you know, we've got all these devices and all this capability and and to some extent, you know, you have to trust people to be grown-ups, but people generally aren't going to say that they want to leave a board meeting on, on, a, on a whim for a child. Mm. It's because that's all that they've got left to do and mm. they, they have invariably tried lots of other things and the ability to say, do you know what? I used to come in at seven o'clock in the morning, but now I'm going to come in at eight because that's the earliest I can get my child into work. Or do you know what? I've still mm. got an hour and a half commute. So even then I'm leaving at half six. And if I leave at half six at the beginning of the day, but I'm still only getting back at eight, nine o'clock, I've missed my child every single day this week. Mm. Um, and I know from when I've done traveling, particularly when they're small, not so much when they're very small because they mostly they're just little blobs cute blobs, but you know, blobs, as they start to develop personalities and engage with the world and with other people around them. The way that their synapses join up and the, 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 the different character that you're met with when you've been away with them. For, so for me, I was away from my daughter, at, she had chicken pox. It's a recurring theme. <laughs> she had chicken pox when she was like uh, two and I was working for a firm and I had to go to the US for two weeks. Um, and aside from being sent pictures of my spot-riddled child, which made me feel dreadful um, while I was away, um, and people ringing me up to ask me what my husband wanted for dinner, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, we're not the Borg, you know, and he yeah. can probably tell you himself what he wants yeah. for dinner. 
Um, again, coming back to those societal things. Um, you know, the person I came back to, the little person I came back to was not the little person I left. She had grown so much. She had changed so viscerally. Um, and I think if I, 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 I was really taken aback by that. And I think if I was met with that all the time, I would find that really hard. Mm. So just offering me some flexibility that says, we know that you're doing your best. You're not going to you know, swing the lead. Mm. And there are abilities to hook in earlier or in different ways or work from home or whatever it might be. That mm. sort of flexibility of blending your work and your life yeah. um, and the blurring of it. Uh, I think I think that would be incredibly helpful. But I, to verbalise it up front as well, not wait for the person to have to ask because that's yeah, just not horrendous. have to ask. That yeah, yeah, that's it's almost too late then, isn't yeah. it? It's actually caring for your staff and being yeah. aware that this putting is on it the out path. there right at the very front. Yeah. So I, I've got to say, I've absolutely loved everything you said today because it's quite interesting. Like you truly are the innovation evangelist, and you do look <laughs> at things from a different point of view. So it's been quite easy for a lot of people, like their advice to be around. Um, like, like longer maternity or paternity packages. But actually what you've done here is you've really focused on, let's be for real, quite easy things to do, but the things that make the most amount of difference. Mm. Just talk to one another, be more accepting, like get involved with your staff. Yeah. If, if, someone's, if someone's going through a big event, and it doesn't necessarily need to be maternity or paternity, it could be that they're, they're caring for elderly parents yeah. at home, whatever that... Whatever that is, if we're asking for people to bring their whole to work, we need to give our whole to them. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think, yeah, what, what I'll take away from this is is us all wanting to buck that trend that we shouldn't work like we don't have children, we shouldn't raise children like we don't work. It's okay to do both and mm. do both well. Yeah. Um, so I've loved having you on today. I think you've been absolutely inspirational thank and you. perfect for me to hear right <laughs> now at 32 weeks. So thank you yeah. so much Get for joining us. Get your hospital bag sorted. Yes, I will do this weekend, I yes, promise. Yes, good. And thank you to everybody listening to the Maternity and Paternity Stories of Fintech. Please tune in again for another series. Thank you. Thank you.